1: Well, hello. Oh, I'm David freeman With Is that really in the Bible? At this time of the year, a lot of people have an emotional attachment to the Christmas season, and that's understandable. You know, you can't help but look at some of the beautiful Christmas cards, the snowy night, the burning of a you know, fireplace, uh, the, the beautiful lights, the absolutely beautiful lights family gathered together. It's, it's a powerful attraction, the Christmas season. So when someone like myself comes along and says, Christmas, its roots are pagan to the core, that Jesus was not born on or anywhere near December 25th, he was born on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, when I make fun of the Christmas season and say things like, do you really believe Jesus is up in heaven saying, all this for me? Uh, when I say, you know, the wise men didn't come to Jesus bringing their gifts and say, hey, I got a better idea. Let's swap these among ourselves. It didn't do that. And when I tell you about the Catholic Church took the Saturnalia Festival, which had nothing to do with religion whatsoever, and turned it into uh, Christmas or Christ Mass or Christmas and said Jesus was born on this day, when I say things like that, you know, it, it, people get upset. And the reason people get upset is because there is such an emotional attachment to this time of the year. And that I understand. That I understand. You know, anything that you have invested a lot into, you take it very seriously because it's your investment. And when someone like myself comes along and says, well, it's really not all about Jesus, you know, people get, get upset. I mean, if I think about some of the investments that you people have made. You know, you've got your whole attic full of decoration, about $1,000 worth of decoration. That's an investment. You pay for airfare tickets to have your children fly in. Uh, your, you know, the wife fixes these wonderful, uh, beautiful meals, and you got the family together. You know, it's a lot of investment going on there. And uh, we don't like people, you know... Uh, taking those things, taking our investment away from us because there's such, again, there's such an emotional attachment to the Christmas season. Now, I've actually had people tell me, look, I don't care if it's pagan. In fact, I know it's pagan to the core. I know where Christmas came from. But we should have a day where we honor the birth of Jesus. Okay, let's go with that. Let's go ahead and go with that. We should have a day where we honor the birth of the Savior. Now, one of the first things I notice is we should, okay, we should, we, okay, we should do this. You have to understand, though, God makes the rules. Our job is to submit to the rules. It's called obedience, Maybe you haven't heard that word in a long time. If you've been going to church, I guarantee you you had not heard that word in a long time. You maybe heard it back when your, uh, your parents were rearing you, child rearing. Yes, you probably heard it back then. But chances are you had not heard that word in church in the past 40 years. Okay, now we understand that nowhere in the Bible does it say to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Okay, is it wrong to do it then? In other words, there are no instructions about how we would do this anyway. You know, there's no instructions about, okay, go down and cut a tree down out of the woods. Put it, drag it in your home, decorate it. Actually, you do find some, well, it's not instructions, but maybe it's a warning that you find in the Bible. Did you know this verse is in your Bible? Let's take a look at it. Jeremiah 10 and verse 2. Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cuts a tree... Out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold, and they fasten it with nail and hammer that it move not. Now there's, to me, that's your, I mean, if the shoe fits, wear it. There's your beloved Christmas tree. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Now, so if we're going to do this, okay, if we're going to make the decision to do this, to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we're pretty much on our own, okay? Let's just admit this. As far as the Bible, we're not going to find anything really there on how to do this. We're pretty much on our own. And and we're pretty much going to have to say this is our way for celebrating the birth of Jesus. Okay, we've got to admit, let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest with with ourselves and with the Word of God. We're on our own. Now, the question is, is God pleased with the way we have chosen to celebrate the birth of Jesus? That's the question. So, I want to ask you some questions today about Christmas, and I want you to answer them. Here are some questions. Why do you think Christmas is so popular in America? Why do you think? Well, you might say, well, it it probably has a lot to do with materialism and gift swapping is one of the reasons. Uh, now, Now, if you say, well, I don't have anything to do with that, materialism, gift swapping, you know, okay, then stop doing it. Stop doing it. If you don't think it has anything to do with it, well, just stop it. Richard Carlson, uh, in his book, What About the Big Stuff? He said this. He said, my friends and I don't swap gifts during the holiday season. And this is the reason why. He says, knowing, this is what his friend said to him, knowing you won't be spending your precious time walking through shopping mall malls bring me, brings me more joy than any gift you could buy me. Wow, can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? Knowing that you're not spending your time in crowded shopping malls, wasting your time brings me more joy than any gift you could buy me. Okay, second question. Do you think Jesus is really the reason for the season? As you look at everything that's going on, um, how would you prove that to me? that Jesus is really the reason for the season? Well, you might say, well, go to church, and you'll hear the story about the birth of Christ. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can hear about it there. Uh, but if I looked at your credit card bills, your credit card you know, thing or whatever you call that thing, you know, the valuation of your credit card, the receipt or whatever, uh, would I assume that, wow, he spent $10,000. That's got to be all about Jesus. Uh, uh, how about advertisement on TV? Promoting all the material clutter that you can buy and store away and that your kids don't like and don't respect and tear up the first day. You know, all the, the advertisement about the material clutter you can buy, would that prove to me it's all about Jesus? You know, I, if an alien, okay, forget an alien. If Jesus dropped in for a visit, would he even be able to figure out that it's all about him? Good question. Third question. What are some of the negative things that you see about Christmas? What are some of the negative things that you see about Christmas? Well, actually, it starts with, with uh, Black Friday, uh, people being trampled to death. Now, obviously, when you see that, when you see those pictures of people jammed up like a herd of pigs or whatever, you know, getting ready to open the gate up and run through you know it's not all about Jesus. I mean, you don't even have to have a lot of brain cells lined up in a row to figure out that's really not all about about Jesus. Okay, you got that one figured out. How about the accumulation of debt? Would that, you know, talking about negative things you see about Christmas. Um, Did you know that merchants make 50% of their yearly income at the Christmas season? Let me repeat that. Merchants make... 50% Fifty percent of their yearly income during this season called Christmas, and of course you see all the ads about Jesus at Christmas time. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Okay, another thing I was unaware of the negative effects was severe depression and loneliness. Severe depression and loneliness. Now, you know, um, because some people don't have families. And all I can do is reminisce about the way it used to be. So severe depression and loneliness was something I was not aware of. Uh, dysfunctional family systems together. Now, again, I don't have to worry about this stuff because I, I haven't celebrated Christmas in over 40 years. But, but you know, we've got to get Ch- Chester the child molester. We've got to get him over. He's part of the family He's part of the family. Just don't sit on his lap, children. I know he's going to come over dressed up in that Santa Claus suit, but don't you dare sit on his lap. And you know, and and besides, the Santa Claus thing. The Santa Claus thing. Who who's behind the Santa Claus outfit? You ever wonder about that? Is he wearing any underwear? You know, I was overly protective as as, as a father for my daughter. You know, it's just a lot of things I didn't trust about our world, about our society. But, you know, not everything about Christmas is season is positive. Do you know where Christmas came from? Is another question. You know, I mentioned the Saturnalia, that the Catholic Church adopted this festival called the Saturnalia. It was, it was the shortest uh, day of the year, the winter solstice, it was the shortest day, dead middle of winter. Uh, they took that because it was a grand celebration. It had nothing to do with religion whatsoever. And it was a grand celebration of sort of like a drunken orgy of gift swapping and decorating and just a big hoopla, a big party. Well, the Catholic Church looked at that and said, man, this, if we could give this a, a religious twist, we could get a lot of converts. And of course, converts, that means more money, by the way. And so they said, we'll call this, this pagan-to-the-core festival, we'll call it Christmas, Christmas, and say that Jesus was born on this day. That's the origins of it. You know, I've actually heard that the pilgrims uh, would have nothing to do with this celebration because they knew the origins of it. Now, another question. If there were no holidays like Christmas and Easter, where would you go in the Bible to find out how to worship God? Do you know where to look? Has your preacher ever told you this bit of wisdom that I'm about to share with you if there were no celebrations like Christmas and Easter, where would you go in the Bible to try to figure out, well, how, do, how does God want to be worshipped? Well, let's take a look at it in Leviticus 23 and verse 4. It says, These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their season. Notice this. These are the Lord's chosen They are God's holy days. They belong to him. They are his special appointments with mankind that he wants man to have these special times during the year called holy days when the church comes together to worship before God. The holy days are revelatory. The holy days are all about Jesus Christ. So why would he not want you to learn all about Jesus Christ? Why would you think God would not have a say-so in how he wants to be worshipped? Now let's take a look at some of these holy days in the New Testament. Yes, I'm, did you hear that? In the New Testament, Luke 2 and verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. What are we talking about? The feast, 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 feast. Feast of Passover. Yeah, that's what it's talking about. Jesus kept the Passover. These holy days are all about Jesus Christ. What he has done and what he will do in the future. Now, you would think people would be concerned. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think our church ought to learn about these holy days. But, you know, I don't know why, but it just, uh, you know, it's too easy to demonize and say, oh, that's not to label, and oh, that's Jewish, and that's not for us. 1 Corinthians 11, and verse 23, says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the lord's death notice that you do show the lord's death Till he come. Notice that verse doesn't say you show the Lord's uh, resurrection. It says nothing about his showing his resurrection. It says you do show the Lord's death until he returns back to this earth to set up his kingdom on this earth. This is a yearly thing that you do with the Passover. You do show the Lord's death and, it, and the symbols here tells us how to partake of the New Testament Lord's Supper with the symbols of the bread and the wine. But these holy days, what I'm saying is these holy days were abandoned long ago for Christmas and Easter. That's a fact of history. It is a fact of history that you need to study. When I first came into the church, one of the first things I did is I purchased a $1,000 set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Because I wanted to know the origins of Christmas and Easter and Halloween and all these things, the Council of Nicaea, uh, the Jerusalem Council. I wanted to study all of this stuff, the quarter issue, the 14th. I wanted to understand all of this stuff from a historical perspective about how these things were, you know, substituted, how Christmas and Easter became the two major holidays and God's holy days were dismissed. Because it is a fact of history. But notice the holy days I'm reading about are, I'm quoting the New Testament here. Acts 20 and verse 6. And we sailed away from Philippi Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came into them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. Notice that. What is this reference to the days of unleavened bread in the New Testament? You know, it doesn't say after hiding e- our Easter eggs, we sailed away after Easter. It doesn't say that. It does not say that. A direct reference to the holy days of God. The days of unleavened bread. And we're talking New Testament, folks. Next holy day, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Why the references to the annual holy days in the New Testament? Pentecost. I'll tell you why. Because the New Testament church was keeping the annual holy days of God. Next holy day, Matthew 24 and verse 31. And he shall send his angel with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. There's no misunderstanding what the Feast of Trumpets is all about it is about the return of Jesus Christ to this earth, and the first thing he does when he returns is to resurrect the first fruits to resurrect the dead in Christ. That's the first major thing that occurs at his return. And again, this, this is New Testament here. this is not, you can't use the excuse oh that that's, that's old 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 Testament that's Jewish. Holy day, holiday, we're, we're not interested in that. No, I'm reading from the New Testament here. Acts 27 and verse 9. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. Now, if you look up that word and don't take my word for it, uh, prove all things, hold fast to that, which is good, look that up in your own concordance. The word fast, it is a direct reference to the Day of Atonement. The Good News Bible puts it like this. We spent a long time there until it became dangerous to continue the voyage. For by now, the Day of Atonement was already past. So Paul gave them this advice. Again, why the reference to the Day of Atonement? You know, it doesn't say. It doesn't say, oh, I'll see you at uh, Christmas if I can get through the snow. It doesn't say that. Direct reference to the Day of Atonement. Acts 18, verse 21. And bade them farewell, saying, "I must by all means keep this feast that comes in Jerusalem. But, but I will return again unto you if God will." And he sailed from Ephesus. What is this about the? About, I must keep this feast. Well, some uh, scholars say it's uh, the Passover. Some say it's Pentecost. Or it could be the Feast of Tabernacles that's being referred to here. But the point is, I must by all means keep. This feast. Why? Why the references in the New Testament to God's annual holy day? John 7 verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Now here is a reference to the feast of tabernacles. You see, Jesus kept the holy days. The New Testament church kept the holy days. Paul kept the holy days. You have to understand this. John 7 and verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The last great day of the feast is being referred to here. And Jesus is speaking at the, on the last great day of the feast. Now, again, why would you think God would not have a say-so in how he wants to be worshipped? Why? And to say that the holy days are not important, but Christmas and Halloween in church is, that's just plain wrong. It's just wrong to say that. Now, again, I know there is a powerful emotional connection that that some people have toward Christmas. And I I truly believe that some people, a few, really do try to honor the birth of Jesus on that day. But as as a whole, as you look at our society, as you look at America as a whole, I think this scripture tells us what's really going on that I want to look at now. It's in Mark 7 and verse 6. He answered and said to them, Well has Isaiah prophesied unto you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is what I see going on for the most part. Now, obviously, not everybody, but as I look at our society, this is what I see. People honoring Jesus with their lips. Oh, Jesus is the reason for the season. Isn't it great to know Jesus was born on this day? That, yeah, honoring him with their lips. But their heart is far from him. Do you know how many atheists celebrate Christmas? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? You know, I mean, let me ask you this way. Is the celebration of Christmas, this holiday, turning our nation toward God? Do we see a nation that is getting closer to God or further away? You know, um, and and listen listen closely. Listen closely. Does this celebration really turn your children's heart to God? You know, your children are going to grow up. Over 40 years ago, When my parents kept Christmas, I could not bridge the gap. And they tried to put Christ into Christmas. We'd sit around a Christmas tree reading about the story about the birth of Jesus. And I'm thinking, I couldn't make the connection. I couldn't bridge the gap. I thought, well, what's this got to do with Jesus? I mean, I want to open my gifts. You know, I couldn't bridge the gap. But what I'm saying is, children are one thing. But your children are going to grow up. And one day they're going to look back. And they're going to figure out well you lied to them about Santa Claus and reindeer and that the whole thing was pretty much, you know, like a hoax. And they're going to look back and they're going to realize that your religion was not so authentic. That it wasn't that authentic concerning your lies you told to them. So, you know, I'm just saying that we need to take this seriously. I want to offer you something here and it will be offered again at the end of this program. But seven holy days, very early in church history, the Sabbath was abandoned for Sunday keeping, and the two major holidays, the holy days fell into disuse. They were abandoned for Christmas and Easter, the two major holidays that you see today. Now, I believe that Christ, that we're a lot closer to the return of Christ than we were 2,000 years ago that when Paul preached. And we need to prepare ourselves and we need to prepare our church for the return of Jesus Christ. You don't want, if you're a leader in the church, you don't want to be embarrassed when Christ returns and tells you, you remember that guy you heard about preaching about the seven holy days? He was right. You don't want to be publicly humiliated, embarrassed by Jesus Christ when he tells you. It's far better that that, that I tell you you know that you're wrong about these issues and you need to be keeping these holy days it's far better that i tell you than than when you meet jesus christ and he tell you so you need to order this material seven holy days that will open up a whole new avenue in your relationship with god you understand that these and there's even a deeper study on the back that you can order if you really want to go into an in-depth study of these holy days, you can get each one sent to you free of charge. I'm not going to sell your name. I'm not going to mail it, you know, um, sell your name to a mailing list. I'm not going to beg you for money either. You'll get what you ordered, and that is basically it, and you can study it in the privacy of your own home. At the end of each lesson, at the end of each course, there is a test at each, where you have to answer each question. And uh, it's a powerful lesson to learn about the meaning of God's annual holy days, which are all about Jesus Christ. And I would think, you know, anybody telling, any minister telling you, look, these, these, these days are all about Christ. You know, this is, this is the Christian religion, is it not? It's about, it is all about Jesus. And I'm trying to tell you, these holy days are all about Jesus Christ, what he has done. There are spring holy days that reveals what he has done, and there are fall holy days that reveal what he is about to do, what he is going to do in the very near future. You need this information. I'll send it to you free of charge. Your church needs this information. I'll send it to you free of charge. I'll send you multiple copies of it. I'll send you the whole lesson, the whole course, everything, if you, if you want it. Free of charge. I'm David Freeman. And that's what's really in your Bible, reminding you that in the very near future, you will be keeping God's annual holy days.
0: What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept or will God institute his holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, Virginia. Two four one five one. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, twenty seven Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, two four one five one. Also, check us out on the web at Is That Really in the